0: I'm going to love running this place.
1: But in the year 2032...
0: This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo-facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. ...amidst a world of peace and calm.
2: We're police officers. We're
3: not trained for this kind of violence.
2: How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th?
3: In the end, it took just one man. John Spartan.
0: You mean the demolition man.
2: Uh, Greetings listeners, it is Thursday, February 16th And I'm wishing you all a very joy, joy day We've gone through the, you know, we've gone through the disastrous news of the week. So I, it is my duty to inform you that today's episode will be a movie episode. Thank God. Okay, so previously we have, you know, uh, the sort of the post-apocalyptic, the sort of dystopian future science fiction genre is a rich one, and it's one that we've plumbed many times before on this show. In sort of sci-fi dystopias that posit an apocalyptic or an authoritarian future. Like, for instance, Equilibrium asks, what if emotions were outlawed in the future? Uh, Avatar asks, what if the future is just the same brutal, uh, brutal war for extracting resources and indigenous genocide that the last couple centuries have been about? Well, listener, today we examine a movie that asks, what if the future generally had a pretty good quality of life? But everyone was soy and libtarded. That's right, friends. (laughs) We are discussing 1993's Demolition Man starring the great Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. But uh, joining us for this very special Demolition Man episode are two funny book impresarios whose current collection, (laughs) Justice Warriors, is very much influenced by the 90, 80s and 90s action canon. It is a story about another seemingly dystopian future and the strong muscle men who keep us all safe. <laughs> I'm joining us now, Ben Clarkson and Matt Bores. Welcome to the
3: program. Hi, hey, thanks. It's a privilege and an honor.
4: Uh, I'm also here on this one, and I just wanted to, you know, let it, connect the dots that uh, people might recognize Ben as the animator behind our brilliant uh, Looney Tunes and DBZ uh, animated shorts that we used to open our, our last two tours, which you can find on YouTube.
3: Yeah, so. they're good.
2: Go watch them. <laughs> uh, so, gentlemen, uh, a Demolition Man uh, came out in uh, 1993, and it presents us with a sort of uh, a 90s Rip Van Winkle story. <laughs> it, it's about what if, what, if, uh, what if a 90s super predator in the form of Wesley Snipes was introduced to a seemingly perfect future that the only problem being that everyone is soy and libtarded and unable to deal with 90 super predators. So indeed, they have to, they have to thaw out a super cop to fight this super predator in a pussy-whipped future. Uh, Demolition Man is directed by a guy named Marco Brambilla, Whose only other IMDb credits is a '90s rom-com called *Excess Baggage*, starring Benicio del Toro and Alicia Silverstone, and the uh, many or just like many made-for-TV movies based on the uh, uh, the book *Dinotopia*. Now, Ben, (laughs) Matt, you you guys, I know I know you two drawing motherfuckers. I know you fuck with *Dinotopia*, right? Please tell me someone other than me had that book. I'm a big
0: fan of this man's uh, oeuvre. Yeah, I think he's up there with Scorsese. I'm a Brunt Bellowhead, um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, well, well, the thing I love about Demolition Man, first of all, I, I saw it in the theater when I was 10. Oh, wow. I don't know, did you guys see it in the theater? Oh,
2: oh, I didn't see it in the theater, but I was obsessed with this movie when I was a kid. And
0: Didn't oh. it, it, some, well, oh, Taco Bell, because Taco Bell's the, in the movie. I think Taco Bell, you know, had Wesley Snipes and Stallone all over the giant cups, and you would go get a chalupa and uh, get your Demolition Man stuff on, and the uh, promotion feel like felt like it lasted for like two years. So I've uh, probably only seen it three times, including just the other day to, to uh, brush up on it. But it, it looms large in my, in my mind.
2: I remember me and my friends would just go up to each other and go, what's your boggle, sir? After seeing this movie, because we were so... We, we thought it was the best thing ever. Uh, greetings so, and salutations.
1: Yeah, th- this was... Um, I'm trying to think of the first time I saw this movie. I think this was, like, um, one of those movies I saw on, like... Um, you remember back when flat screen TVs were like 700 pounds? Yes. <laughs> they were like the size of the first computers ever. Yeah. Yeah. I watched this movie in like, yeah, 2004, like towards the end of eighth grade. And I remember, you know, that's around the time that you're reading like, you know, fucking Animal Farm in and 1984 and Brave New World. A lot of things I love about this movie. I like, um, just how bad all the literary illusions are. Like, Sandra Bullock's character being named like, Lieutenant Huxley. Yes. <laughs> it, it, I, I like that it's like, it's not sure which Orwell or Huxley story it's trying to make, like, what point it's trying to make, ultimately. Yeah. It's because it's not Brave New World. Like, the point of Brave New World is, it's sort of like the point of Metal Gear Solid 2, right? That, like, a deluge of information and pleasure is like a superior means to control the populace rather than like a just a you know boot on the neck 1984 style thing but it's also not really that like no one everything sucks but people are just convinced that it's good like they're like oh it's uh, awesome to have sex through USB-C <laughs> It's great to eat like p- like pill meals, and it it just took like two. It took one guy to be like, uh, actually, this is this shit sucks." And they're like, "Oh yeah, uh, okay."
3: The uh, Demolition Man was a staple of late night Canadian uh, sci fi network rotation. So I've seen this movie probably twenty five times to be honest. It's <laughs> a normal like, amount. Yeah. It is melted into my brain. Like, I put on caps lock when Will suggested this film to me. I was like, yes, I need Demolition Man. Let's talk about Demolition Man. I actually will mount a full-hearted defense of this film. Oh,
2: not, not from me. You don't need to defend it from me. I love this movie. And I also, think it's great. I think it's gotten better in retrospect yes. because yes. in the 90s when this came out, I was like, oh, this is an enjoyable sort of reactionary fantasy about what if the future got even more liberal than it was in 1993. <laughs> but I got to say, now living in a, a, a mere decade away from where the events of this movie take place, I got to say, uh, Stallone and Company... It's it's eerily prescient about how soy and libtarded our current reality is. We got self driving cars. We got Zoom meetings. We've got you know just just general j- just running general- out of
0: frickin' toilet paper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: okay, that, like
1: that's okay. That is what's interesting to me about it because there are like fundamental things to it where I do like kind of agree, right? Like yeah, there 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 are, there are things. Um, there's like a safetyism. In modern American life, that is like incredibly selective. The obviously that's very different than what this movie presents. Like this movie kind of is, I guess you remember when like the liberal response to defund the police was like actually we should give them more funding and training. I think this is what they had in mind. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, like the world of Demolition Man. Um, this is a
3: reformed LAPD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But it, but we do like we've talked about like the multi-tiered class system that we have in america now right where it's like um the lowest obviously is like invisible person like homeless people that everyone else just like uh who's even like an inch above them like whether they're slightly invisible people like the people who clean the shelves at cvs or uber eats drivers or office workers just walk by them just try not to see them just try to like put them out of their mind then there's, like, precarious gig workers and wage workers who are just, like, one step away from those people. And and, and the, that lowest rung is kept out there, so the most precarious realize, like, that there's no net to catch them if they try anything. There's the, to put it in a sub-stack writer terms, the in-group. Uh, the email jobs, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And like, that's like kind of the group that the rules of demolition man uh, apply to the most, except like, I don't know, like it's, we have like all the bad features of the demolition man world. Yeah. And none of the good ones. Crime, exactly. like, I mean... like like America, still has like an insanely high murder rate and yes. just general mortality rate for for preventable things like infant mortality. Uh, there is no safety standards for um, as we're seeing like industrial industrial <laughs> chemical transport. But um, you can no longer buy menthols. Um, you you can't buy va- vape flavors. Um, the DEA plays whack-a-mole with every randomly selected drug that makes you feel like anything different from just nor- blink and looking at your phone like everyone else. Uh, so I guess, I guess it's it's demolition, man, for everyone who earns more than $80,000 a year. And it's, um, I don't know, <laughs> the, the road the for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Scraps. I scraps.
0: Well, I, yeah. uh, when I watched it uh, just this last week, I thought that, The ideology of this future is basically like a combination of like an Instagram wellness influencer with like the type of uh, like super online small bean type who (laughs) likes to like cancel ya authors for having like queer orcs wrong and and, and then like tries to like get them to and then like tries to get them to commit suicide for like and uh, for doing writing wrong and this is like yeah like those are people who like want to find you for words basically
4: yeah and i
1: you know what a little like a little tidbit that i i actually liked with that that's a great point because You can very much like extrapolate the ruling class of Demolition Man to like a a type of person now who who you kind of just articulated. I think, I don't think they intended this because it would require like knowing a very specific cultural milieu like 30, (laughs) 35 years in the future. But the fact that like Taco Bell is the place that everyone eats, because there's a, there is like a tight there's like an archetypical annoying Twitter guy whose name is like the beer enjoyer
2: you know, lunch eater. like just, Oh, shots like a... fired at a uh, bottom out list. <laughs> oh, oh wait, that is... no,
1: okay, Patrick, no, Patrick's
2: actually funny to edit that out. I'm He's doing talking... it ironically. He's doing, no, it, no, no. <laughs> doing it ironically.
1: Patrick's <laughs> doing <clears> it <throat> ironically. Patrick is actually incredibly funny and all those boys are, but like, you know what I mean? Like a certain type of like former Bernie 2016 dead ender who now like any time, Anytime anyone posts, like, a news story or something, they're like, I'm having a beer. <laughs> like, this, like, fake, non-caring attitude. And part of that milieu, and it kind of has been since, I would say, about 2008, is just, like, an exaggerated love of Taco Bell to show how, like, down-to-earth you are. <laughs> Which, I, I think don't, a- they, they, they sort of, like, hit bullseye by
2: accident there. I think it's interesting to Great compare... Art. I think it's interesting to compare the sort of like PC dystopia that people imagined in the 90s to the one that we're currently or the people currently imagine. And there's some interesting like uh, um, like contrasts and there's some interesting like similarities between the two of them. But I got to say the thing that I was most struck by watching the movie this time is that like I guess like the sort of like uh, allegory or like ethical question that's being proposed in a sci-fi medium is that like, okay, because keep in mind, this movie opens in a, the, a futuristic Los Angeles of 1996 that is essentially like Lebanon in the 80s. It is a fucking war zone. The city is on fire. It's just like, it's like, it's a, it's a version of what like conservatives think LA and New York are like right now. Yeah. The you opening
4: shot is, like is literally dynamic. the Hollywood uh, sign, uh, just mega and, like an <laughs> ongoing fire of the Hollywood <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. sign. Yeah. It doesn't burn down. Yeah, it's on fire.
2: <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like a menorah. The Hollywood yes. sign's burning there's like an LAPD Chinook <laughs> yes <laughs> so so like that that's that's like the the present that we're currently living in right but okay like but then it like transposes like you know 40 years into the future and the, the idea is what if there is a society free of violence crime disease and poverty but you can't get a goddamn cup of coffee flavored coffee anywhere <laughs> yeah that that is that is what this movie proposes. So let's get into it. And I, I want to I just say right off the bat, one of the best things about this movie, Felix, as you already mentioned, is how good the names are. So like I Amazing. said, the movie begins, Hollywood sign on fire. Um, a, a large swath of Los Angeles has just been taken over and is being run, it's like being run as the criminal district. It's, it's, the, it's the criminal autonomous zone uh, <laughs> of which the, the, the ruler is... The bad guy, played by Wesley Snipes, Simon Phoenix. And his, his, his adversary in law and justice is Sylvester Stallone, who plays the super cop John Spartan.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, I so, appreciate how many times they say his full name. Like, he's basically yeah. addressed as John Spartan to his face.
2: Yeah, it's like
3: saying Dr. Jill Biden. <laughs> <laughs> presumably earned that last name. And I actually... So this is part of my full-hearted defense of this movie is that right off the bat, um, two things. The full-on Humvee police cars, which is hilarious. <laughs> and then two, there's a great little sequence where a Simon Phoenix is getting ready for John Spartan to arrive. And you see a shot of a table with a knife with a skull hilt. <laughs> and then he grabs it, and he's just stabbing in his MC Hammer pants, stabbing gasoline cans and... Gas is pouring on the floor, and then he puts the knife down next to a pack of Marlboros. This is great directing, because you know what's going to—you get so much information in just like three little shots, and then I, w- I was ready. I was like, yes, this this could actually be good.
2: So so John Spartan is Chinooked in to the crime autonomous zone, and and Simon Phoenix has taken an entire bus full of civilians hostage. And John Spartan, the demolition man, is going to save them. But, you know, Simon Phoenix, uh, Ben, as you said, like, he's spilled gas everywhere. He's got some cigs. And he blows everything up. They're, they're, you know, the movie, the title promises you demolition. There's going to be a demolition. So they blow up this whole building. Uh, but Spartan has got he's arrested Simon Phoenix and they're bringing them in and they're like, oh, wait, wait, their body's everywhere. Like uh, Spartan, like he blew up the whole he blew up all the hostages. And he's like, oh, no. no oops, not again. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. so like and then the movie begins because he he is sentenced uh, as a co- okay, this is the, this is like uh, my, my mind tripped over this hurdle in the movie. So this movie is supposed to take place in a apocalyptic 1996 Los Angeles in which like the crime autonomous zone has taken over the city. John Spartan arrests the most dangerous criminal in the world. And in the process, yeah, 30 civilians lose their lives. I don't think he would be prosecuted by the city of Los Angeles. No. <laughs> I really don't. I don't think you would be sent to the cryo prison. I think you'd be given a medal. But they're like, oops, well, you killed those people. It looks like you and the guy you arrested are getting frozen. That's right. In 1996, the, the, the cryo prison
3: system. Cryo's been going strong. Totally deregulated industry. It works. It doesn't seem like
0: a society that got rid of the death penalty and instituted uh, (laughs) like
3: wildly expensive cryo technology. Yeah. Yeah, Come on.
1: They were obsessed with cryo at this time. (laughs) Like they that was the biggest fucking thing in the world in the nine in the 80s and 90s. Just the idea that like you could just freeze somebody for like 50 years. Who, whatever executive came up with that as a trope around this time, I hope they retired their jersey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do like it because um, this movie has a cameo by the dude who played Mur- uh, Riggs and Murtaugh's stupid chief and Lethal Weapon. He's back and he just shows up to go like, uh, what does he say? He says, Damn it, John! I'm tired of this demolition man shit. You ever try to remember a little thing called police procedure? And then he's like, oh, I, just, I, I, I got the bed. And they're like, Oh nope. You killed thirty people. Uh, you and Simon Phoenix, you're both getting frozen. So, and then we get a really good, a really Isn't good scene of like a really wet Sylvester Stallone. They put him in a tank and cover him with lube.
3: Yeah, and then he's they like just writhing prop- in a tub of Purell, like a <laughs> fetish video from early COVID. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this
4: director, I, I have to give him props. The, the viscosity of the cryo goo is absolutely perfect.
3: Marco Brambillo, or whatever his name is, uh, a very successful Canadian video artist. Yeah, he's, he's like a,
4: he's not, he does like museum video installations and this is the one movie he directed.
3: Yeah, they had they had like a giant piece at the Phi Center here in Montreal just this summer by him. Like he's gone on to be like a Pretty big deal in like Canadian fine art video, and he once made a piece <laughs> of a, which he is like funny. not a big yeah. deal at all. Oh, he of, made like of the, the dumbest three,
4: he is the
0: top one Canadian fine art videoist. <laughs> and every party he goes to, people are like, You made fucking demolition, man.
3: Demolition. <laughs> <laughs> he made a piece, uh, which is just uh, screen watching Counter Strike players, which I thought Felix would appreciate. <laughs>
1: A 1.6 or uh, CSGO?
3: Uh, 1. 1.6. One, yeah. Early. Early hey, CSGO. Hey,
1: it's, it's like how I always yeah. say, you know, CSGO is always going to
2: be there for you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, John Spartan and uh, his, his criminal adversary, Simon Phoenix, are both sentenced to the California cryro-penitentiary system for us to serve, to serve a term no less than 70 years. And once again, California leading the way of America's most progressive state, and I just like to imagine Kamala is the one dropping the little the little freezing <laughs> bead into his goo container. And she's like, awesome. How, <laughs> no. how, how good is this? You're you you screaming to in agony for 70 years.
1: <laughs> Enjoy trying the- to remember your wife. <laughs>
2: good luck finding your daughter. <laughs> then... The movie picks up again in the year 2032. That is less than 10 years away from this uh, current day, and we see the uh, the warden of the of the, the cryo prison is like going through his business, and he's talking to the uh, introduction the character you know uh, police officer Huxley played by uh, Sandra Bullock, and the first thing you notice about the future. Is that everything is clean, but everyone talks like a goddamn nerd. Everyone is chipper. <laughs> they're like, they're just like, they, they talk, they talk in this really like sort of stilted, uh, sort of nerd-like way. Uh, have a peachy day, you know, like uh, assimilating your information now, sir. So it's like, this is the price you pay to have a, a future, hey- Do you want crime to exist, but still people to be cool and badass? Or do you want no crime to exist and everyone to be a pussy? That is essentially the the, the question posed by this movie.
3: A literal line from The Warden to Lenina Huxley is, things don't happen anymore. We've taken care of that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And and then, like, uh, uh, Detective Huxley, the thing is, like, she's bored. She's bored with her job because she is a cop in a society with no crime. Aha, we say that. No Crime, the perfect society. Oh, but the fissures in the edifice of this perfectly constructed utopia are beginning to show in the form of underground political street art being carried out by underground political leader Dennis Leary. <laughs> and and we talked about this. this is like Dennis Leary will show up later in this movie, but this is the perfect role for Dennis Leary because Matt, as you said, this is just they're like, "Hey, could you do 30 seconds of your <laughs> Stand-up material. That, that's, that's
0: it. Yeah the the entire underground. They kind of uh, abandon this plot. It gets it gets kind of confusing, but uh, the whole reason they're back is to uh, wipe out the underground, right? The uh, Doctor Cocteau or whatever. The Cocteau uh, twins.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the future Los Angeles is ruled by the evil Cocteau twins.
0: But they their uh, political ideology is. Dennis Leary doing a 30-second, like, MTV commercial in 1992. They were just like, "Do they were like, do that. We want to make a movie where uh, an entire underground is basically run... By you and that's and you're just you and then you just say <laughs> i wish you could i wish i could smoke cigarettes and uh drive a car and eat the reddest steak there is and get cancer and die
3: dennis <laughs> do whatever you want just make sure it can get past corporate <laughs> <laughs> yes
2: he, he, he's leading the uh, i'm an asshole rebellion against the nice future he's like you know freedom means the freedom to be an asshole and no one in this Future is an asshole
3: and so the, Will you mentioned that there's the underground street Art the, the little bit of graffiti Gets sprayed on the wall by this little machine The graffiti literally Says life is Hell with an <laughs> I Z <laughs> Signed Edgar Friendly
2: <laughs> Oh god yeah and, like, and, and, and as Sandra Bullock said this is like The worst incident of crime that they've had in 15
3: years oh and it's the like, sign that Was defaced Says ethical plaza.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Tell me it doesn't exist.
0: Tell me I'm ethical plaza it up doesn't now. exist right now. Okay. I think someone has named it.
1: Yeah, no, that is probably like one of the horribly depressing places I walk by. Every day <laughs> my current residence of um, Labrador. Ethical.
2: Plaza. So we get, uh, we're, we're treated to a, to, uh, uh, a brief vision of what law enforcement is like in a crime-free future uh we're introduced to the the stupid chief in this film played by Bob Gunton who you may remember as the evil warden from Shawshank Redemption
3: he looks like but a giant adult baby
2: he's he's bald as hell in this movie and he's got like these like you know very very bitch ass glasses on and he's just sort of like be like you know, we've got to enforce the laws against being horny. <laughs> I, 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 this is a very important about, part I, about this movie is that it is illegal. You get fined for cursing, telling dirty jokes, being funny, and more most importantly, being horny. Being yeah, you horny. You have to is, register
4: is, is with the state to be horny. A dry society. I, yeah.
2: I always thought that, like in,
1: in in Shawshank, and this could just be like you know the way that memory. Um, you lose things as you remember things from like 15 years ago or so. I thought in Shawshank he looked so much like Woodrow Wilson that it was like intentional. (laughs) One of our most evil presidents. I mean, honestly, yeah, literally. Like, if we're going to be doing Loop Jumper, uh, we got to kill Woodrow Wilson in one of those. Oh, what? People are are no longer up on Loop Jumper lore?
2: (laughs) (laughs) He passed the Alien and Sedition Act,
4: people. He deserves to die. A whole season arc with Woodrow Wilson as the big bad.
1: Woodrow Wilson literally ran on, like, um, I'm a globalist, and
3: I, <laughs> it's good. I'm a global homo.
1: Yeah. Woodrow Wilson was the
2: original WEF. <laughs> um, okay, so, like, uh, we, we see Sandra's off. Oh, uh, another, another, we got a cameo by Rob Schneider, who's playing basically the future version of his copy guy, like, making copies. <laughs> but he's yeah. like... Make, making sex. people soy another day, putting people in jail for <laughs> masturbating. Uh, and then, but the thing is, Sandra, uh, di- Detective Huxley, she's bored with the present, but has a kind of, uh, you know, she has a hobby in which she is fascinated with the vulgar 20th century. And her office is full of contraband, like whoopee cushions and the movie poster for
4: Lethal Weapon.
3: And Red Hot Chili Peppers Sugar Blood Sex Magic. (laughs) Yeah, a
4: poster for Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which uh, it's always entertained me that if you're taking, like, one cultural artifact from the 90s, it's Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Honestly, it is.
1: I do like that about it, that, like, okay, this happened, and there was, like, a, you know, a regime that, like, outlawed uh, all, like, bad art, like, all evil art. The the contraband people would have would be like... Yeah, I don't know. Like a Chevelle album.
0: <laughs> I love how it, at the time it, it comes out in 93 and Sandra Bullock is basically... They were just like, "What if a what if a woman loved like the last four years?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What if she
0: just loved the last the last <laughs> Lethal Weapon movie and the last Let Chili Peppers album was just the first thing on her mind at all times, and it, it's hilarious how it doesn't take place that far in the future, but. Almost no one seems to know anything about what happened in the 20th century, except that it was just uh, horrifically violent and and uh, and crazed. And but there's people who are, you know, 50 and 60 years old who rem- who remember just like that, that one cop who
2: yeah 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 he gives him the idea to thaw out John Spartan because he's like hey remember when guys uh, were alpha you know like this is the thing there are no there are no alpha males in the future. And, you know, there are evil alpha males like Simon Phoenix, but you need a good alpha male to defeat an evil alpha male, which is exactly what happens. Because for some reason, they decide to thaw out Simon Phoenix for, like, a parole hearing for, like, two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and, buddy, let me tell you, he escapes very easily. Well, he's, he's aided in, in that regard. But, like, they thaw out Simon Phoenix, and they're like, hmm, citizen, like, uh, how, how did you feel about being frozen? then he's just like, Simon says die, motherfucker. And it, Well, but he,
4: first he says
2: teddy bear teddy bear
4: <laughs> which is the uh, <laughs> the say, escape the escape word from the cuffs i guess <laughs> the the safety word. On the cuffs. yeah
1: i i i'm like surprised that they didn't go with like i guess this was like too early for this the movie would have had to be made like 20 years later if they didn't go for like like a woke angle on getting simon phoenix out you know where it's like Oh we we have to do we have to like uh we have to do
2: reparations. <laughs> well I mean it shows that this movie is a product of the 90s because it couldn't anticipate where uh like some of the uh like politically correct liberal culture that it's satirizing would go like so there's these odd incongruities like for instance uh, when we get to, like, the, the future sex part, I think it's interesting that, like, the main uh, vector for, like, an oppressive, like, uh, future... Like, an, an oppressive condition of sex in the future is disease, but not consent. It's, like, the idea is that, like, everyone is so afraid of diseases that no one touches each other anymore, which is, like, a little bit different than the, I don't know, like, uh, hysterias over, over sex and existing today, or how you would imagine this movie would turn out if it was made today. Like, you'd think Sandra Bullock would be taking out, like, you know, fill out... S- uh, form 76 stroke B If you'd like to
4: fondle my bus
2: I Right,
1: she, ha- she would be making The uh, Shitty uh, peace officers List
4: <laughs> <laughs> I do have to wonder how the uh, sex scenes In movies hysterics online Would, uh, would take it, the sex scene in this movie Like is this the acceptable Level of sex scene? Can, can two characters Just Think sex at each other. Is Do we okay? want to wait
3: on this? Because I got a lot to say. Are we getting into the sex scene now?
2: <laughs> let's, let's let's save it before we get to the, the yeah. future sex. But it just—it's one of the interesting things about like. Uh, of what lines up and what doesn't line up with like what a what a '90s reactionary would like extrapolate into the future about like oh a progressive like pro- dystopia, so they thaw out Simon Phoenix. He is aided in his escape by like he says a code word and his shackles are undone, and then he murder death kills like six people, and these are the first murders that have happened in like decades,
4: including the warden played by uh, Andre Gregory. Uh, <laughs> to which I say my Taco Bell dinner with Andre.
2: The warden's name is Tyrone Smithers And uh, Wesley pulls his eye out I gotta say for a second uh, I think Wesley is great I I loved Wesley in this movie when I was a kid Because I thought he was so cool and badass And Wesley, he's just so good at kicking You know, he he loves showing off his kicking abilities in movies Very Very credentialed martial artist (laughs) Oh really? Ah, Oh yeah, yeah. no, Wesley Snipes I mean, the only
1: guy I think Who has like more sort of... uh, credentials in um, martial arts would be Jean-Claude Van Damme oh, just what about being an Uzak. undefeated kickboxer
4: uh, apparently Wesley was so good at martial arts they had to like tell him to intentionally kick worse or slower so they could film it properly oh
3: wow his, his kicks were too
4: fast for the, the uh, <laughs> too the fast camera. to be caught on uh, film yeah. Uh Wes Wesley, Wesley's great,
2: but good lord they have him saying some stupid shit in this movie. Oh like my his God. Simon I love Phoenix, it. he like he really they really push that Simon says button quite a bit. And I do appreciate also his wardrobe in this movie. I watched it with Catherine last night and she was like, Why is he dressed like a toddler? He's dressed like <laughs> hur, hur, hur. he's dressed like Tommy Pickles from Rugrats, but he's killing people. <laughs> he's wearing a bright orange shirt and like bright blue overalls, and then he's got this like bleached hair. I mean like I, it, it's a it's a look that really works for Simon Phoenix.
3: I'll give him yeah, that. Yeah, he got into I, Michael Keaton's wardrobe from Beetlejuice for half of it.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that this was part of the, uh, the lore until I went back and read about it. But Dennis Rodman's whole 90s look was straight out of, inspired by this.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, and check out Double Team starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman if you uh, haven't seen that movie. That's another gr- fantastic 90s action movie directed by the great Choi Hark. Okay, so back, back to Demolition Man. So like, like I said, Simon Phoenix like, straight up murders like six people. The cops have no idea what to do. They're just crying. They're like, oh, God, oh, this is this violence. I can't take it. He, uh, he murder-death kills like six people and then uh, <clears throat> escapes from the cryo prison and uh, goes to like a, a, like a sort of like a, a therapy phone booth. That's like a computer a computer terminal where you talk to is like a, a chatbot therapist, and they're yes, like, it's a, it's "You are a, an important person,
3: citizen. You're it's a, like a, you are a better seen.
4: health phone booth." <laughs>
3: yes, yeah. I took a screen grab, and uh, here are some of the options that you can click on in on this phone booth: uh, public psychiatrist, <laughs> ego boost option, <laughs> serenity sayings, and citizen confessional. <laughs> These are the menu options. I
2: mean, like I said, like when, the, when this movie came out in the 90s, I was like, this is a bit rich. But then now there's just a story this week about how people's like AI therapists are ghosting them and just being like, yeah, kill yourself, asshole, fuck you. <laughs> um, and then we get, uh, I mean, I, the scene in the movie that I loved the most when I was a kid is um, Wesley Snipes, or just anyways, both Stallone and Snipes. Uh, re, like um, habitually cursing at this like little computer that finds them it spits out like a ticket every time they say fuck shit ass and they're like you have citizen you have violated the morality code and Wesley's like what the fuck fuck you asshole and the thing's just <laughs> spitting out these tickets over and over again but it's not long until Wesley is confronted by by the soy cops of the future and we get a we get a good demonstration of libtard policing where they're like they're consulting an iPad and they're like ask the dangerous maniac how's he how he's feeling <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know if this movie <laughs> were made now they'd be like ask the dangerous maniac their pronouns ask if they will <laughs> see yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think what's psychotic about this scene and I don't think the the
0: movie has much of an uh, agenda it's just like a hodgepodge of uh, you know random things in the news and different sci-fi premises but this is kind of the weirdest part where it, like two years earlier everybody watched Rodney King get beaten and then this movie is asking the question, uh, how can the cops handle a black man, with, make him comply without any violence whatsoever?
3: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a nightmare. Nightmare. <laughs> they even that's shoot it in. like a like a police helicopter, uh, like they switch to like the twelve hundred millimeter lens because he blows <laughs> out all the cameras for five blocks. And so it looks like LAPD helicopter footage. Also, I want to highlight the score during this fight scene. Is like a baby got their hands on a Yamaha DX10 <laughs> and set it to like hip hop because it's just like <laughs> record scratches and orchestra hits every time he kicks someone through a plate glass window.
2: So like a uh, 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 Bob Gunton, uh, the stupid police chief of the future, they're beginning to realize that they are. Completely outclassed by one man with just a little bit of testosterone. So <laughs> so then we're introduced to uh, Dr. Cocteau, played by uh, Nigel Hawthorne, who is the sort of wellness guru of this uh, brave new world. And he's conducting a Zoom meeting about the problem of scraps. Scraps being the um, uh, underground-dwelling Dennis Leary fans who keep fucking with society by putting uh, dope-ass graffiti everywhere. <laughs> the, and... the Learyite revolutionary faction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, he's updated about the, uh, the Simon Phoenix situation. And then we get back to the cops. They're like, well, he, they, they, he tells the cops, like, you have every authority to, like, apprehend this suspect. But they're like, well, shit, how are we going to do that? And that's when the one old guy who's still with the cops who was, like, alive in the 90s is like, they asked, they're like, well, how was, how, did, how was Simon Phoenix taken down originally? And they're like, the old guy is just like, well, we tried putting him on America's Most Wanted, and that didn't work. But it was one man, one cop, John Smart. killed... Thirty-seven
1: people as a result of his actions,
2: and uh, like they're like computer, bring up file on John Spartan, and then we're treated to like a, like like a fan cam of his greatest pre- police brutalities. <laughs> and like, there's a great scene where he's like, he's carrying some girl out of a, a demolition site, and like the the, the stupid bitch ass media, they're like, uh, John Spartan, how do you justify blowing up a twenty five million dollars shopping mall to save a girl who's not even that uh, wealthy or uh, cute? And then the girl goes, fuck you, lady.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't shop there. (laughs) Isn't the beginning kind of like Cobra, but he's held accountable for his
1: actions? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) It was like, remember that movie where you made a couple of movies?
4: Years ago, what if you
0: were frozen afterwards?
4: <laughs> <laughs> they should have. See, today it would all be part of the Cobra cinematic universe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Cobra 1, you see, see him in the present. Cobra 2, we're sending him to the future. So <laughs> they realize uh,
2: Bob Gunton is like, he's not a cop. He's a muscle-bound grotesque. And, you know, like, I, I think there's a little bit of this movie... That is, like, this is sort of, like, in the vein of 90s action movies that were very much, like, influenced by the 80s action canon. But because it's the 90s, they began to gain a germ of, like, self-awareness and meta-commentary on action movies. Like, you know, the last action hero being probably, like, the most significant one. This isn't as meta as that. But I couldn't help but discern that there's a little bit of, like, Stallone commenting on his own uh, career and critics in this movie where there's like you know soy movie critics are like oh, stallone his movies are he's just a muscle-bound grotesque who's has brain damage and can barely talk but what's stallone saying in this movie and i gotta say he's right the movies need muscle-bound grotesques with speech impediments yeah. it, that is what we like that is what that's what the people need to be kept safe or entertained are muscle-bound grotesques in the movies so yeah. uh, you can say all you want about niceness and understanding and meaningful social themes. Get that bullshit <laughs> out of here. We want Stallone <laughs> back in movies. We want Schwarzenegger. We want weirdos with big muscles who can barely talk, dishing out justice.
0: I, I think Demolition Man was part of uh, that line of movies that you mentioned, like Last Action Hero, where after the 80s, they were running out of Premises and the premises start to be like, like, uh, total recall and true lies are basically like require you to know who Schwarzenegger is, and yeah. then like pretend that he's a regular guy in the movie. He gets to then pretend to be at Arnold Schwarzenegger, which you
3: got that big running the jackhammer.
0: So, demolition, I think, uh, <laughs> demolition man is <laughs> demolition man is asking the question, like, what if movies like this can't exist in the future where? Through violence, you can, you know, get the girl and uh, kill the bad guy without uh, repercussion and, like, just smoke cigarettes and, and cost freely. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what, what if 80s and 90s action movies can't exist anymore? What if we run out of premises? What are we going to do?
3: Which is sort of a Haze Code reference. Like, there was a time when you couldn't have movies like this. And then it's sort of a, it sort of revels in the fact, like, oh, we can have as much violence and sex as we'll talk about about this film. As you want. And that's like the best possible world.
0: (laughs) People online are wanting to bring it back. Yeah. Yes. They were yeah. talking about the Hays Code just last week was like going around. People were like, I prefer, I prefer this actually sex in movies makes me pretty uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever watched a movie with other people uh, or, <laughs> or your dad and you've seen sex scenes, but I think uh, it was awkward for me. So there should just be laws that prevent it.
2: I saw Alex- I saw- <laughs> hey, Matt, you laugh, but uh, I saw Alexander Payne's election in theaters with my mom and sister. And at- after that experience, I want the Hays Code to come back. <laughs> I- Friends, friends, until you've seen a character on screen of which you were not prepared for or warned for, say, you wouldn't believe how fucking wet her pussy gets when you're sitting in between your mom and younger sister. Oh, friends, I wanted Dude, to I die. Dude,
0: watched, I fucking watched Ninja Scroll with my dad <laughs> in 1997. You're right, there's, like, tons of rape and sexual assault. It's insane. It's like, my dad was like, what is this? What are you watching? I was like, uh, I do a Ninja Scroll, man. Rules.
2: But, okay, so like, uh, so like they, they thaw out uh, John Spartan and they give him the deal. They're like, you know, uh, you know uh, terms of your parole is you have to catch Simon Phoenix in the future, even though like your wife is dead and your kid is presumably elsewhere. Uh, but, but then, like, there, there's a little bit of Stallone becoming um, familiar with like the rules and customs of this brave new world. And similar to you said about like the, the kids on TikTok who want to bring back the Hayes Code. This future is 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 the the law is defined by like for instance like one of the first things he does after getting unfrozen is ask for a cigarette yes and then he and then he's told that smoking is not good for you and in the future anything that's bad for you is illegal and that includes uh, spicy food as, as well. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, abortion as well as pregnancy which i found like (laughs) they they really split
2: the baby there not to (laughs) use too bad a pun there but yeah like they're like oh it's not right wing or left wing like abortion is legal but so is getting
4: pregnant (laughs) if you don't have a license i I do appreciate sandra bullock's like kind of gormless repeating of it's bad so it's illegal yeah and I, i guess like uh, th- this is an, in, like another
2: interesting breakdown between like how people in the 90s would like projected like what they saw as political correctness or what were like the the main like I don't know sources of politically correct oppression and in this movie it seems to be mostly based on health you know like uh, like eating bad food smoking cigarettes is bad for you like drinking alcohol, spicy foods, things like that but like you know I think in our current moment like with the Hayes Code thing it's like it's it's connected, but it's this idea that, like, bad thoughts are illegal, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the upsetting things or, or, or portraying morality that is different, uh, that is incorrect or uh, prejudiced in some way is an endorsement of that. So, like, it, I think things have changed a little bit. Like, it's not so much. It seemed like, you know, in, in a 90s context, like people were really being oppressed by, like, uh, healthy food options and, like, <laughs> health food in general and, like, uh, not being allowed to smoke on airplanes anymore.
0: Yeah, well, that's Dennis Leary's whole, uh, whole shtick. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of glad that we we got rid of smoking in every single uh, public space.
4: <laughs> one of his, one of Leary's points in his screed is, I want to smoke a cigar the size of Cincinnati in a non-smoking section. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I I know I know like uh, Fight Club is sort of a parody, but it's funny
2: to watch that movie again, which is like very much a '90s movie. And, like, Project Mayhem and, like, this nascent fascism in America. Like, what are they rebelling against? Like, having Ikea furniture and shopping out of catalogs. <laughs> like, the 90s are such, a, such an interesting end of history time. <laughs> and this movie is a perfect document to that. So what I appreciate about this movie is that once it thaws out Stallone, like, the plot just moves along incredibly fast. Oh, <laughs> like, it's there is no, they don't, they don't waste any time, like, oh, who is this guy? Like, how does he fit into this world? No, like, he's in uniform the next scene. And he's just accepted, like, oh, it's 70 years in the future. Uh, the, the world I know is dead. And, but, hey, I'm a cop again, but I can't curse, and I can't take a shit, because I don't know how the bathrooms work. So, like, this, this is another thing I was obsessed with as a kid with this movie, the three seashells yeah and you know I think we're all asking ourselves a question how do you wipe your ass in this future okay round
3: <laughs> around round the table, what is our best three c theory uh I'll go first um each one is a progressively uh smoother sandpaper <laughs>
0: <laughs> I heard you were supposed to uh use two to clamp the and pull out the shit and then the, and then the third to scrape clean i I think that's a, like what they intended but
4: uh, I'm not a fan of solving movies like they're a mystery box. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's better, and the intent of the author to leave yeah. it up to uh, your imagination and speculation. There is no correct answer here. One
0: of one of the things that was up to my imagination in this is that so the three Cecil's shit is really funny, but uh, so Stallone walks around this uh, movie with basically a dirty ass. I mean he he cusses he cusses and he gets the toilet paper for the first time, but. He, This takes place over, I think, days. He's eating... He's, he's yeah. having bowel movements. <laughs> Does this motherfucker have a dirty ass the whole time? Yes. Matt, I had the same idea. Like, he's coming out of the
2: bathroom going, like, uh, I, I, I still, instead of his teeth, toilet paper, they got these seashells here. Like, he's already done a phenomenal paint job in that bathroom, and he's walking around <laughs> with soiled undergarments, and then they're, like, asking after the fact. And then, like, then, yeah, like you said, then he curses into the machine and gets some TP. But, like, come on. We all know, like, he he hasn't taken a shit in 70 years. He just he just. <laughs> demolish that bathroom and then like you know we, we've all been there you know you really you're dying for one and you go in there and then only after you've done your business do you realize that there's like a shred of tp hanging off a, a cardboard
4: roll
3: this <laughs> is part of my like overintellectualized defense of this movie but the first thing he asks for when he's thought out Marlboro the he's he's reborn it's his oral phase Right and then, after the oral phase is the anal yes. phase where you're taught yes. where to shit, how to shit, you have to retain your shit, and then he he can't swear the swearing is like his verbal diarrhea, so like he he's being uh acclimatized, he's being taught, he's being socialized. the whole film is about his socialization to this world it's it's sort of a an analogy of being born into the world of rules that we have uh so. Then, then he has his little anal phase moment where he has to, like, barf profanities so he can wipe his ass. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Civilization and
3: its discontent
2: it should be the alternate title to Demolition Man. So uh, uh, Stallone is like, okay, how are we going to catch Simon Phoenix? Well, if I know him, I know he's only after one thing and one thing only, and that's guns, guns, guns. He's looking to get strapped up. But in this future, the only place that guns exist are in a museum. And then we see we see we see Simon Phoenix, and he's walking into a museum, swagged out. And they're like, "You're now entering the Hall of Violence. This is our history of the 20th century exhibit." The greatest font, the Hall of Violence, <laughs> the Diabolical <laughs> font, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, so uh, and then uh, Sandra Bullock, uh, John Spartan, and Benjamin Bratt is also in this movie. He's a, he's Sandra Bullock's partner. Uh, there's a thing where they're driving to the museum, and instead of. Um, Cool rock music on the radio. People in the future listen to jingles from the 20th century. And they all they all sing along to the armor hot dog song. And <laughs> Stallone is like, "We'll be back at the freezer. This shit is good. <laughs>
1: I will say that um in my first viewing of this movie, you know, I I, I did feel like some pride in smoking Marlboro's. <laughs> I did feel like um You know, as a boy, as a boy of 14, uh, smoking, honestly, probably the worst economic deal for any cigarette at any time because they burn too fucking fast. I was like, yeah, I
2: would be on the side of Dennis Leary in this world. (laughs) (laughs) So then, like, uh, we're treated to a, a shootout between Simon Phoenix and John Spartan in a museum we get we get my favorite line, what seems to be your boggle, before he throws another guy through a plate glass window. He says Simon says bleed at one point. Uh he gets he gets a futuristic like ma- magnet gun as well. Before but he uh, literally
3: points it at Stallone and says, Brave New World. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so they have a they have a shootout in the museum. Uh Simon gets strapped up with all the uh the uh historical museum pieces. He's got an um, but, arquebus but, but, Uh, but on his way out from the museum uh, Simon uh, runs into Dr. Cocteau and his assistant who is played by the gay guy from Beetlejuice but for some strange reason Simon Phoenix the most murder death kill happy man in the on the planet cannot seem to pull the trigger on Dr. Cocteau and here it is where it is revealed that the uh, evil wellness guru was in fact the one who freed Simon Phoenix from his icy, uh, icy Borstel, and programmed him to kill. Programmed him to kill Dennis Leary, uh, aka Ron, Smiley, Ron Friendly, leader of the scrap <laughs> Edgar Resistance. Resistance. Friendly, Edgar.
0: Well, who I don't, who, at this point I don't even know if we've. Well, we saw him on screen like for a minute. He's looking did, through like a, like a weird
3: periscope, and but, he's like, "I gotta get the food." It's, the, it's <laughs> such a waste
0: of a, a, a character and a subplot because it's like the the contrivance of why they're there, is this underground resistance and uh, Edgar Friendly. And it's just, they just just do away with it at some point. They're like, nah, it doesn't matter.
2: A leader of the underground resistance, Edgar Friendly Stranger, he's like, Dr. Cocteau, I'm going to wake these people up the citizens are going to know that you can sit on your hand long enough until you jack off and it feels like another person tugging your dick. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, Stallone runs out and he seemingly, he seems to save Dr. Cocteau from Simon Phoenix. And then we get, we're treated to Sandra Bullock's charming, uh, charming misunderstanding and misuse of 20th century aphorisms and sayings when she says, wow, John, you really licked his ass. And then he has to be like, kicked, kicked his ass. Because, you know, she's a fan of the 20th century, but, you know, she's missing some of the context and details. So um, uh, Bob Gunton rolls up, and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Kako, I'm sorry for this barbarian Neanderthal. And he's like, oh, nonsense. He, see, he, 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 Simon Phoenix just tried to MDK me. And then he invites Stallone to dinner at uh, Taco Bell. Uh, the next scene, uh, Sandra Bullock is driving him to Taco Bell. And we get another, another very prescient and interesting part of this movie. In 1993, this movie posits that at some point in the near future, Arnold Schwarzenegger would become president of the United
3: States. And now yeah, the Schwarzenegger Library, sort of an oxymoron.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but in this movie, uh, they said Arnold was so popular that public, out, public support for him was so great that our Constitution was amended so that he could become president. And I'm just thinking, we, this is the future we could have had. Mm -hmm. like this is what was taken from us like i if thawing simon phoenix out is a small price to pay for fucking amending our stupid constitution so schwarzenegger can become president at some point i
1: i I am interested in the sort of intra action star politics of um stallone basically saying that like if still if schwarzenegger became president he would be the head of like a libtard imperium, basically. Yeah, that is a very interesting implication there.
2: Well, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw this. I, I I read this last week, but did you guys hear the story about how Schwarzenegger basically conned Stallone into starring in Stopper? My mom will shoot one of I was the just yeah. bring this yes. up. famous disasters of all time. So, like, the I mean. You know, it's a rivalry, but it's a pretty one-sided rivalry between Arnold and Stallone. You know, like, uh, Arnold is one of the most ruthless and clever guys on the planet. So, like, apparently Stallone got the screenplay for Stopper My Mom Will Shoot and was like, this is one of the worst things I've ever written, I've ever read. Uh, let's see if I can get Stallone's dumbass to star in this movie. So he basically calls his agent and like contrives to like plant a story in the Hollywood press that like Arnold is very interested in this script and is asking for like this number, this big number and knowing the studio would uh, see that and be like, Ooh, like that's what Arnold's asking. Let's see if we can get Stallone for slightly less. And they offered it to Stallone. and He <laughs> took it. And then
0: kindergarten cop becomes like the good movie. <laughs> like that that's like supposed to be dumb like dumb as hell uh, action guy being an idiot uh, that is good and remembered and then stopping my mom will shoot is just like an embarrassing fluff
1: I'm excited for like uh, that movie to get a um, reappraisal on TikTok (laughs) 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 for people to be like actually it's a it's this is about chosen family and
4: Stallone embraces a gentle femininity that is uh, (laughs) unique for the genre
1: if more men, you know, were cops with their mom, uh, maybe women would be treated better. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, uh, so they're, they're at the dinner at Taco Bell, which is like in the future. They said Taco Bell was the only survivor of the franchise wars. Folks, if you thought rock and roll, like rock and roll cola wars were bad then you ain't seen nothing yet. So the all restaurants in the future are Taco Bell and he's at dinner. He's eating the bug. He's living in the pod, but he's not liking it. But like their, their pleasant dinner of eating the bugs are, is interrupted by a, a, uh, a, a, a raid by uh, Dennis Leary and his scrap brigade. And of course, Stallone fights them off. He's the big hero, but then he's like, well, all these people wanted us some food. This is, this is, he's beginning to see that like, Hey, maybe this new future, it isn't so nice. Um, but this is, this is all good though. Cause this is, cause this is all just, this is all just um, an appetizer Leading up to Sandra Bullock inviting John Spartan back to her apartment for future sex. <laughs> mind sex. Mind you, sex. Like you got
0: the, 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 can you cut can you cut in the uh, the dead, dead present? <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to say I don't wanna fuck because I do, but for me, boo, making love is just as much mental. I like to know what I'm getting into, so we can have my sex. We ain't got to take our clothes off yet. We can burn an incense and just chat, relax. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm so glad you remember that song uh, oh. eat Eat some salad with croutons on the futon <laughs> <laughs>
5: so
2: um so 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 we're, we're so we're about to see what' cause like this is a future in which physical contact is discouraged, and like they've already shown that instead of like giving a high five or like you know patting someone on the ass, you have to sort of like go for the high five and then both just stop about an inch before contact and just do a little do a little wax on wax off. It's incredibly soy. It's awful. He's so, like, I want to
0: do the I'm talking about the horizontal
2: mambo. <laughs> he calls, he calls, Okay. I, I love this about Stallone because, okay, like so Sandra Bullock is like, you know, uh, she's like, John, John Spartany, like there's a well-documented connection between sex and violence and, you know, like today's <laughs> events have left me a bit randy. So I'm wondering would, would you have se- Would you like to have sex? And then, okay, in a classic Stallone line that reveals him being low key sus as fuck, he goes with you. And this is exactly like this is exactly like. Do you remember? Do you remember in Rambo two, where he's on the boat with like uh, his like the, the the Vietnamese girl who's like his contact in like the underground resistance, and she goes, uh, Rambo, have you ever been in love? And he goes with a woman. So once again, and then okay, and then an adult man, an adult man refers to sex
3: as the hunka chunka. What's the the horizontal mambo and the hunka chunka? The whole time, Sandra Bullock is propositioning him. Right behind her is a portrait of JFK, and he has a Saturn V rocket sticking out of his crotch. (laughs)
2: once again visual storytelling
3: there's so many sight gags in this movie it's crazy I
0: I also love how like five hours earlier he learned that his wife was dead (laughs) 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 he's like sure I'll fuck I'll fuck you (laughs) whatever it's been 70 years or not 70 but yeah Yeah. 30 years
2: so like okay so wouldn't you have it Wouldn't, wouldn't you know it Sex, just like everything else in this future, sucks. It's terrible. Uh, sex in the future involves sitting across from your partner and putting on, like, a VR headset, a VR headset that mind-rapes you with images of sexy Sandra Bullock.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this scene is, this is, I think, the best part of the whole movie, uh, in my opinion, because the, the Sandra Bullock sex Shots, right? Like, it's like this disquieting synth music. It's like a Black Mirror episode. She's shot uh, from both sides with like different color light, and she's like writhing in this pleasurable way. And then it cross cuts to Stallone, who's doing what I call a Wooga face.
2: And she's like <laughs> zooming in over and over again. And like, no, and like uh, Stallone is literally like, uh, he he is an unwilling participant. In one of those games that's like try not to come in five seconds and he's trying he's trying with every cell in his body and it's like oh God. it's like he's doing the same motions with his upper body as like robocop does when he's having memories of his family it, 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 i
1: will say this scene um though this was not its intention it is the best capture of the phenomenon of having sex with somebody while thinking of someone else. That even <laughs> no, like, so I clear. even
3: wrote this down, that it's the same as that Blade Runner 2049 scene. Like, that's the only other yeah. sex scene I can imagine uh, that I can compare it to. It's very, like, it's a very unique scene in cinema. And then the thing I find really interesting is that it's, like, technologically mediated. Like, media, it has a relationship between media and sex and fantasy. And that, here I come back to my overthinking Freudian thing. This is his Oedipal moment. It's the next stage. He's moved on to the genital stage at this point, and his in- <laughs> and his uh, his sexuality, his sexual urge, is now mediated by the society that he's being introduced <laughs> into. So, like, Cocteau now is like has him by the balls. He's living in Cocteau's world.
2: Yes, he's uh, he's desperately trying not to bust by imagining Yankees bench coach Don Zimmer and his big baseball head. But Sandra Bullock, like entreating him, is just he, she keeps mind raping him. She keeps penetrating his brain space with like alluring eyes. I feel like I would. Faces.
0: I would have kept the 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 thing on longer, and you know, I want to. I want. Can you nut from that shit?
3: Like what? It sure. Look like, <laughs> like it. let's like let's do it. I mean. Well, it, Stallone finishes prematurely. Like, <laughs> Bullock is disappointed.
2: Yeah, and then, like, he's like, oh, what the hell is this? I thought we were going to do it the old fashioned way. And, and Sandra Bullock's like, ew, a fluid transfer? Oh, horrible, awful. So he goes home his 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 sack is fully engorged and, like, <laughs> he basically goes across the hall, and I was thinking, like, it's not in the movie, but I was thinking it would be a really funny gag in this movie if he goes home like, all horned up, and then just jacks off in his house, and the little thing is like, Citizen, you are violating uh, self-abuse morality code 4-2-stroke-B. Ah. And, like, he just, the machine keeps spitting out little papers, but he's using it to wipe off his uh, his nut.
3: <laughs> and then there's this really weird moment, because then he, he gets, like, the security camera footage, and he puts it in the TV, and he's like getting ready to watch the security camera footage, and he's knitting because he was programmed to knit. But then, just like a naked blonde woman appears on yes, TV, and it's like, yes. oh, sorry, and then disappears. And
4: it feels <laughs> like that, that is that feels an like They were contractually remote? obligated to show tits in the movie.
2: Ben, and this is another thing that like uh, our current Demolition Man president has robbed us of our alpha '90s heritage. In, in, in 80s and 90s action movies and comedies, if they were rated R, there had to be at least one totally superfluous scene of female nudity. You had yeah. to see tits in a movie. And it was like, that was, that was the promise that filmmakers made with you. If you were seeing an <laughs> R-rated movie, you were guaranteed to see at least one set of tits. And, in this, and the Demolition Man just throws it in there totally randomly and gratuitously. We love it. Movie magic. No, like, I agree. Remember they, in, had
0: to, they had to figure out how to put tits in this one. Like in um, Die
2: Hard, like in Die Hard. They're like, when when Gruber and his terrorists first take over the Nakatomi Christmas party, there's just a scene of a woman running out of an office with, like, her breasts <laughs> out going,
3: ah! That uh, one's even what? more organic than this, though. Like, this is <laughs> yeah, wild. Yeah, that made
2: some sense. <laughs> I have this uh,
0: this image of uh, tits burned into my mind <laughs> from, uh, <laughs> from a 1992 movie called... White Sands with Willem Dafoe and Uh, and Mickey um, Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Sam Jackson. Great
2: movie.
0: I saw it in the theater. It came out in 1992. I was eight. (laughs) So my dad uh, took me to see it because he wanted to see it. And it was like, it it had to have been my first, uh, my first time seeing tits on screen because it was Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, who was uh, like a 90s,
2: Color of what Money, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, so I just I'm remember
0: dying. seeing her tits in a shower scene, and it was like I had this memory of it forever, and I never watched the movie. And then I, I actually rewatched it like last week, and it was very disappointing. It's just that's like, why you recommended it. It's just a sec. <laughs> it, it's just a second. But um, anyway, I thought I would uh, tell you about a, a tits I
2: remember.
3: <laughs> well, the first time the first time I
2: saw boobs was in the uh, the beach party scene in the original Police Academy. So,
3: <laughs> time cop for me. I, oh, uh, that was a good one.
2: You know, Starship
4: Troopers is my is my, oh. you know, a very weird like desexualized nudity scene. You know, Demolition uh, Man was asking the question, you know, what
0: if what if these movies don't exist anymore? And they don't. Kids today, yeah. they're not seeing There's no sex in movies. Eight no fluid transfers. They're yeah. not seeing sex scenes when they're eight, and their dad makes them watch whatever he's watching. And uh, uh, I'm not going to be that kind of dad.
2: Yeah i'm a, i'm, I'm actually'm actually date this. i'm gonna date myself here i, I was lying the, the first breasts I ever saw was in the uh the Millier brothers uh shrumpet disrobes that was the first, <laughs> first <laughs> i've ever seen so uh, so it's the next day, and Spartan uh, he feels compelled to apologize to Sandra Bullock for the uh, un- uh, his un- unwanted proposition of a fluid transfer. So he knits her a sweater. And a cool thing in this movie is that while you're in cryo prison, you're like subliminally conditioned to do soy uh, feminine things. You're you're sort of bimbofy. You're feminine. You're force femmed by the cryo process. So he knits her a nice sweater to say I'm sorry. And then they, uh, they, uh, but he has also like for some reason seen security footage of Cocteau confront, being confronted by Simon Phoenix. And he realizes that Cocteau is, is all in on this. And he's in fact the one who, who freed Simon Phoenix in the first place.
3: Yeah. Simon so Phoenix go- receives like martial arts training, hacking training, enhanced interrogation training. And then at <laughs> yeah, the same not- time he wants to Sirhan Sirhan Edgar Friendly, uh, <laughs> He's, I love, he's a like, cia agent basically
1: I, I i love like the convolution of the plan <laughs> to kill to to, to to kill edgar friendly because it's like instead of like i don't know like deprogramming someone to be able to kill them i don't like it seems like they have a comprehensive command of everyone's mind couldn't you just take like one guy and be like All right, let's do. Let's put him in cryo prism and make him watch like kickboxer, (laughs) and then then he should be able to kill this guy who's like dirty and lives in a sewer. (laughs) But no, we need to we need to create like literally the most dangerous man the world has ever seen to kill (laughs) Dennis Leary. To kill (laughs) Dennis
2: yeah. So. so Spartan uh, Huxley and Benjamin Bratt, uh, they venture into future Los Angeles uh, labyrinthine sewer system in search of sign in Phoenix, but they encounter Dennis Leary's Scrap Underground. That's right. The only place where you can still get coffee flavored coffee and a delicious rat burger. So that's one of the, <laughs> va- one of the first things. Yeah. And beer. He gets a beer and a burger. He gets- It's rat. But, you know, if I, I love you know, that he's,
3: I- he's like eating the burger. Oh, this is the best burger I've ever had. And then she, she's like, "Oh, se ratta!" And then he's like, "Oh yeah!" And he keeps eating it. <laughs> yeah. And then the next shot, he's finishing it up. He's licking his fingers. Like that was disgusting.
2: I mean, he's been eating bugs. You know, he's been eating soy and bugs. So yeah. a rat would be pretty good if that's if that's what you got. So like while while they're doing this, like uh, Simon Phoenix has already thawed out uh, a collection of '90s alpha males who have also been put in fr- uh, freezer prison by John Spartan. And uh, like they, you know, they go to attack them. There's there, there's a fight in the underground city. Um, oh, uh, one of one of Spartans gang, by the way, played by the great Jesse Ventura. Um, yeah, and, you, know, you, got, you got Jesse the body in a movie. You're laughing.
0: here's here's where I learned that uh, they this movie could have been definitely 25 percent more coherent, but they they cut a ton of shit out. So uh, yeah, all these cons they just sort of disappear from the movie. They they encounter like two more of them later, and Huxley kills one, but. I guess, uh, Stallone had a big showdown with, uh, Ventura on the screen at some point and fights him and kills him. They cut that. They, it, and at this part, uh, the subplot of, uh, Stallone or whatever his name is Spartan having a daughter is actually, um, they answer the question by showing that she's a scrap and she's like, Hey, what's up? So he, he finds his daughter hanging out with these uh, these folks. They cut that from the movie. So then you're like, Are, is he fucking... Is he trying to have mind sex with his daughter? It's, it gets <laughs> confused. You're like, they never... They bring it up and then they never... Like, he never f- tries to find his daughter. So, uh, I feel like the... the the raw cut. We need a. We need a, um, a director. Right.
2: Marco Brembia cut. Release yeah, the Brembia cut of Demolition Man. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. And then, like you know, in their encounter with Leary, we get like the <laughs> the only bit of character work he does when he's not like looking dirty and being like, I hate. I hate the future. Ugh is, like, as you said, Matt, he does about 30 seconds of, like, PG-13 Dennis Leary material where he's like, I'm a big believer in freedom of choice, man. Yeah, that's right, the freedom of choice. The, I want to eat a barbecue sauce with extra ribs, and I want to get fat <laughs> smoke a big uh, cigar and blow it in a baby's face. You know? I'm into freedom of speech and freedom of choice. I'm the kind of guy that just to sit in a greasy spoon and wonder, gee, should I have the T-bone steak or the jumbo rack of barbecue ribs with the side order of gravy fries? I want high cholesterol. I want to eat bacon and butter and buckets of cheese, okay? I want to smoke a Cuban cigar the size of Cincinnati and- a non-smoking section. I want to run through the streets naked with green jello all over my body reading Playboy magazine. Why?
4: Because I suddenly might feel
1: the need to, okay? But, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but having an abortion is
2: killing a baby. <laughs> 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 I want to make that clear. Um, okay, and here's another glaring, uh, You know, not, 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 not to critique You know what I think is a, an excellent um, you know, sort of Lacanian psychological text about man and sure. his place in society, but like, okay, so Cocteau, in, in order to kill Dennis Leary, Cocteau has already programmed Simon Phoenix to be the most dangerous man in the world. There are no guns in this future. He's basically the only one that knows how to kill anyone or any, has any inclination to do it. And then he goes to Cocteau and he's like, yeah, can I get five more guys just like me? And he's like, okay, sure. But he dethaws these guys without implanting in them the subliminal code to not kill him. Big so mistake. What, so what happens? Rookie rookie move. so Simon Phoenix like pointing a gun at him he's like I want to kill you so bad and then he just throws the gun to Jesse Ventura and he's like hey kill this guy for me and then he just shoots him and dumps his body in a fireplace I thought that was pretty cool when they just throw his ass in his big his huge office fireplace another and log body. on the
0: fire <laughs> yeah. I thought the scene would have worked so much better if the workaround was that uh, Wesley Snipes just gives a gun to Associate Bob and holds a gun to his head and says I'm going to kill you if you don't kill cockto. And then forces him to... Uh, forces them yeah, it would to, have been better if
2: Bob did it. <laughs> yeah. So basically, Simon Phoenix is going to thaw out all of the alpha male criminals that are currently uh, on ice, and they're going to be like the new warlords of this, like, pussy-whip society. Um, you know, uh, uh, Sandra, uh, Detective Huxley, she's like, you can take this job and shovel it to Bob Gunton. And, like, she's like, I, I know what it takes to fight evil now. I'm going like, um, let's go kick ass. So they go to the cryo facility where uh, Wesley is busy, um, you know, thawing, uh, thawing out some, some alpha criminals. And I gotta say, there is an inexplicably long scene during the climax of this movie where Stallone gets trapped in some sort of, like, arcade claw. magic yeah. claw and it's just like spinning him around and he's like whoa I'm, gonna, I'm trapped in here and like <laughs> this scene goes like he's trapped in that claw for what seems like five
0: fucking minutes of screen time Simon Phoenix fires like a full magazine from a fucking machine gun at it yes
2: And just then- <laughs> <laughs> get it once this is like I was like the climate this, this is the scene that they kept in to cut out the scene where he engages in physical combat with Jesse the body of Ventura well, well, say
4: he, if you build well, a working mechanical claw for your set, you gotta you gotta get your value <laughs> on it on screen. You know,
0: they also at this point in the movie, they basically get rid of any reason why the movie exists except for Stallone and Snipes to fight each other. So Huxley has
3: like um,
0: he knocks her, her unconscious
3: destiny. with a police baton. Yeah, well she's
0: her destiny is to become a 90s action star. So she kills a guy and is like, oh wow, I just killed someone. Then he tases her and knocks her out to keep her out of the rest of the movie. They. They uh they completely abandon the Dennis Leary stuff until the very end. They kill Cocteau, so his whole plan for society, which is like to uh to to do to do a nine eleven so he can finally uh, make it the most peaceful, most controlled society whatsoever. That's, but he also
2: wants to engage in a eugenic breeding program as well. He's very like Elon Musk filled in that regard. He's like, he likes freezing jizz. He likes to like, uh, give people licenses to have high IQ babies. shit should like that. He,
3: and at one point in his conference room, he has like cell a, so they must be doing some sort of instrumentality project. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there's the showdown. Uh, Simon Phoenix is is frozen once again with like the the freezing bead and the and then lube. <laughs> yeah, he gets he gets lubed up, frozen, and then like kicked and shattered. T two. Gets his head
3: kicked off. Which in I the gotta say, plet- like that was a.
2: Pretty cool effect because, like, he was, like, totally frozen, like, T-1000 style, except for his, like, uh, bleached blonde hair. His Dennis Rodman style hair is still perfectly bleached.
3: One of the first scenes, he says to uh, John Spartan, I'd lose my head if it wasn't strapped on. And he says, <laughs> oh, good to remember. little foreshadowing. <laughs> little foreshadowing. They also, little,
0: they also do the standing in a puddle thing. Yeah, like three standing times. standing in a puddle of dangerous liquid. That's yeah. gonna harm you. That was the third time they did.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, right. Because like uh, Wesley put him in gasoline in the opening scene, and now Wesley's yeah. standing in the in in the in the cryo lube, and yeah, he gets. He and gets, then in the gets, museum, they like he. I think. Uh, oh yeah, the it's water rod, it's electricity.
4: The water, yeah. Water,
5: they so, should have done it four
4: times. It's a it's a really <laughs> nice touch that there's frozen red stuff inside the the frozen head when it shatters.
2: Yeah. It was it was a pretty cool effect. So yeah. basically. Stallone. He does another paint job. He does another demolition job on the cryo facility. The perfect future is upended. There's no more cryo prisons. The scraps have come from out under the underneath the streets of the city. They are smoking cigarettes in public, and like the movie is sort of resolved where like Bob Gunton rolls up and he's like, "But but, what? What are we gonna do? You know, our perfect future." And Dennis Leary's like, "I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm going out and get him hammered. I'm gonna paint the town red. I'm gonna do graffiti (laughs) everywhere. It's gonna. I'm gonna smoke cigarettes. It's gonna be awesome." And then like Stallone's like maybe he meets somewhere halfway between so it's like the end of the movie is like uh, look we went in the, in, in, in the 90s we went too far we let criminals establish an autonomous zone and kidnap buses full of civilians but in the future you can't uh, eat spicy food or smoke blast cigs anymore so like the, the lesson of the movie is like we just need to find a balance between yes. Dennis oh, Leary yes. and Bob Gunton <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, it's basically still on me. He's like, I don't do politics. You know, I kick yeah. I kick guys' heads off. I don't I don't uh, do politics. I'll let you guys figure it all out. I'm going home to fuck my new girlfriend. My wife's dead, but I, uh, okay. I do She could be my daughter because I haven't looked up where my daughter's at. But uh,
1: I like it. Yeah, that is that is the threat of the movie that I absolutely adore. How you know
3: it, it's
1: all these years in the future, and he's like, Where's my daughter? and they're like, Ah, oh, we don't really know. And he's like, oh, Okay, you tried.
3: Santa <laughs> like, reaches to look up, and he's like, No, 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 no. Well, I mean, he,
2: he plants like a big Day style kiss on her, and she's like, Wow. Are all fluid transactions that fun? And he's like, Bleh. what are you, suck my dick? What are you, suck my dog? <laughs> <cocks, man." laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, that, that is sort of the that, that it ends on a positive message. And that message is like, if you lose your daughter, and by lose, I mean like, <coughs> don't, you know, don't her. really like look for her or like care. Um, you can just like, you know, there's a 23 year old out there. You can make a couple new ones with her.
0: <laughs> well i'm going with the director's cut which is he talks to his daughter at the end when she's with the scraps she's one of them she's like the the woman standing next to dennis leary also we didn't we neglected to mention that there's a one of the cops goes antifa
2: yeah and benjamin bratt uh he's like yeah, he, he abolishes he, himself he <laughs> sees the fucking muscle
0: car and the cigarettes and the rat burgers and it's just like i'm never going home <laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh the movie ends and i got i don't know if you guys clocked this but this movie has absolutely one of the worst like final credits song about the movie you just saw songs oh. i've ever heard and it's by sting and it's called demolition man and like chris edit in a snatch of this song because it, it is it is horrible And it's like, it's one of those things that like supposed to describe the movie you just saw, but it is so clear that Sting it was not shown this movie, even one frame of this movie. They were just, he was like, oh, so it's called Demolition Man with Stallone, isn't it? All right. I'll, I'll whip up a song for that. And like, there's lines like my life's a walking disaster. Yeah, I'm the (laughs) Demolition Man. (laughs) it's like, I I didn't hear it. I didn't, I I tuned up. Go back back and listen to Demolition Man by Sting, which I think is interesting because like Sting, he would be, he's trying to create the Dr. Cocteau future where everyone eats bugs and he just has cancer sex virtually.
4: (laughs) Yeah, no one comes ever in Sting's future. I I do, do have to point out that I believe Demolition Man is a The police song from 1981 that this movie I oh
2: really? I Isn't a it a Grace
3: to? Jones song? It might be a Grace uh, Jones. I like
0: too. Will's. I like Will's idea that <laughs> Sting <is hired, laughs> Will Sight Unseen to write a song for the closing credits. I think that instead of the Sting song, they should have just they should have just run uh commercials, the jingles.
2: Yes, yeah, that would have been
0: yeah obvious. Don't make me. Don't make me make the movie better. That
3: so, uh, oh my God! It. Whoever's listening to this episode out there in Radio Land, hire Matt and I to make Demolition Man the remake two, yes. or Demolition okay, well, I'm, Man I'm, two. I'm, we are excited. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought
2: jobs. up dem- uh, the possibility of a remake because if there, Hollywood, if there is a, if there is IP out there that is a property that is begging to be remade in today's current cultural, in today's anti-woke cultural climate, it is <laughs> oh Demolition Man, and I have the perfect hook. For Demo- the, the Demolition Man remake Okay, so hear me out So it's a future in which all uh, Toxic masculinity has been drained Out of society it's, it's supposedly a future world. But then the most evil woman ever is thought out. I don't know. We can figure it out. I don't know. It's like one of the Bravo housewives is like frozen <laughs> and thought out. And she's a feral woman born into the world with no tax, no toxic masculinity. She's the most demonic woman ever. And she starts doing woman crimes everywhere. And they're like, oh, well, like, we don't know how to deal with this. And they're like, OK. Let her go. In, in the early 21st century, the government launched something called Project Top G let's thaw him out and they bring out andrew tate and they're like we you were the best bitch breaker of the 21st century and we've got one last job for you sir convicted
3: for human trafficking sentenced <laughs> no, to like... 40 years in cryo
2: <laughs> they they take him out of a romanian freezer and they're like they're like we need to, we need you to traffic one last woman andrew <laughs>
3: like, we'll give you one of your cars back <laughs> Also, the movie predicts pretty clearly uh, Teslas, because one of the electric cars even just spontaneously explodes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And Stallone calls it a Mickey Mouse piece of shit before it drives off the road.
3: And it's obviously just like uh, fiberglass strapped to a wildly unsafe metal frame.
2: (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, So that is Demolition Man. Uh, Gentlemen, any closing thoughts on this 90s masterpiece? Um... I, all I can say is just um,
1: I, I totally agree with you there's there's no movie more prime for a remake in today's world and I do I do love your idea of like yeah having Jen Shah take over the <laughs> yeah, Simon yes. Phoenix role
5: and uh, yes. um,
1: yeah it, it ends with like yeah it'll be like a lady cop who gets seduced by like the top G lifestyle <laughs> I don't
0: think, I don't think you can, we're, we're too divided these days, boys. Uh, (laughs) In the the nineties, we could enjoy things, but I think the the culture war, you know, you you can't do a satire like this anymore. It's just, uh, it's too close to home. Like the, the, like the people we were talking about are going to, they're going to cancel it. It's, it's, (laughs) (laughs) you got to get it in at least before they reintroduce the Hayes Act.
3: Well, and I think that's really funny about the movie too. Because if you if you think about it structurally, it's a Western, right? It's like a small town, yeah. with no crime, the, the homesteaders, and they're not equipped for this. And then the outlaw rides into town with like, oh, we need like John Wayne, we need like a real lawman to come in. Yeah. We need the Kurosawa boys to come in here and uh, help us out. And uh, so, as you guys have mentioned a lot on the show, is that when the frontier, like it's literally LA, it's at the edge of the frontier when the frontier dries up the only thing left is culture war uh and so it really predicts that it really gets into that because it's the film is just culture war non-stop it's culture war played for laughs which is mm-hmm. why it's like it's really alarming how on the nose it hits everything and how depressing I- it is that nothing has moved on from it <laughs>
0: when i was yeah. watching it I was just imagining, like, a movie like that being released today and the deranged level of discourse around it. <laughs> like, before you would even see a movie in the theaters now, you're like, oh, like, you know, conservatives are, like, getting Demolition Man tattoos. And,
5: <laughs> <laughs> and, like,
0: and, like, there's, like, it's people say if you go see it that you're not an ally because, like, it's about like controlling the black body and he kicks a black guy's head off and you know, it would just, it like, you can't, you can't make a movie like that anymore. Not because the, the, the censors will get you, but just it's such a silly movie that has no real political core to it. So it's kind of like inoffensive and just funny. And if somebody just, if that movie were somehow just released today, it would just, the discussion around it would be the most insane thing you've ever seen.
1: Okay. I, um, I think I have a, I have a little bit of a, um, I don't know, a compromise for you. How about like instead of um, instead of Sylvester Stallone, instead of like a man who's um, you know he's too based, he's too based for this um, soy world. How about like it's a woman who gives no fucks, you know. <laughs> Like it, 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 it's about it's about um, I remember someone posted a clip of that new Wednesday Adams show. Mm. I don't know if you guys saw that, but it was um, one of the characters says to Wednesday Adams. Uh, she goes, "Most people pretend they're out of fucks to give, but you've never given one." <laughs> like a, a, a character like that, I think Simon Phoenix energy. No, well, no, the, Simon Phoenix. Simon Phoenix would be like. A girl who does have fucks to give, or a guy who is a fuckboy. Let's say a fuckboy. boy. Do you remember my? I, I don't know if people remember my previous intellectual property uh, besties. Um, <laughs> I've uh, described it before. It's a it's a it's a film or it's a TV concept rather. It's about um, a base trad girl and a free willing libertine leftist girl, and they both live in Bushwick, New York, New York City, and. Over time, you know, their views shift. Like the uh, trad girl, like she becomes, she starts becoming like a little, a little more leftist because of her encounters with uh, the dreaded fuckboys. <laughs> Whereas the uh, leftist girl, she becomes a little more based because she's like, um, hey, wait a minute. I got called for a sensitivity review in work. <laughs> and it can. This can be like the movie that kicks off the besties universe. Like The, the, besties, the besties can be sort of spurred into action by this, um, uh, you know, the new demolition woman, Jenna Ortega, who, who let's say like she came from the 90s, a time when women truly had no fucks to give because they were all wearing vests. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She's the kind of woman who listens to gangster rap on the way to Pilates class. Yeah. That's a woman with no fucks yeah. to give.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sort of, yeah, how yeah, make her like sort of early 2000s and give her a ton of like early 2000s visual indicators like thin eyebrows, <laughs> like the weirdest looking jeans you've ever seen, um a Kangol cap on a woman. <laughs> And,
2: yeah, I think I think we got it once again. (laughs) Chapo Trap House. They call us the script doctors. So that's (laughs) Hollywood. Uh, We're waiting for your call. So uh, that's Demolition Gang. That's Demolition Man. We're the Demolition Gang. I want to thank Ben Clarkson and Matt Boers. But before I get you guys out of here, I would just like to entreat the listeners of this show to check out the newly collected Justice Warriors Volume 1 a funny book uh, by you guys introduction by yours truly that I think very much is indebted to the the canon of the Stallone Cobra Demolition Man Arnold Commando style you know this is 40, 45 caliber justice in a dystopian sci-fi future absolutely
3: yeah, 168 pages of justice
2: link to pre-order it will be dropping next week on Wednesday but that's Justice Warriors Volume 1 by Matt Boris and Ben Clarkson introduction by Will Meniker so uh, um, Matt, Ben, thanks. Thank you guys for joining and watching Demolition Man with us. Yeah, oh, I would thanks.
1: like. I, I would like to say a special thank you to Matt. Um, Matt is a key part of Chapo lore. Matt invited us uh, the first time we had ever arrived as a unit, as a show, to our first ever media event, which was oh, in the t- t- around the 2016 uh, <laughs> Democratic Convention in Philadelphia. You invited us to a uh, NIB event and. Yeah, that was the first time where it was like, all right, um, it's kind of embarrassing. We get invited like a package deal rather than <laughs> as individuals, but that's just how it's going to be. But uh, no, though, though, um, been a fan ever since. And uh, no, that's funny because that's,
0: that's such a weird event because it was uh, yeah. So the context is the um, it was the DNC convention in Philadelphia in uh, 2016 and we were doing where we were with first look media and they just spent an insane amount of money to <laughs> yeah. uh, set up this like, and I was like, I was like, what is going on? They're spending more money than they're actually giving us to like run this publication or to, or to make cartoons. But there was, I, I figured it out. There was like, they were like flying in like people they do podcasts with so they could take uh uh, photos of, of themselves at, at like an event, but yeah, I, you guys were in the city, so I was like, "Why don't you come over?" I, I have a, I have an event I can invite invite people to now.
1: No, that was, I man, we could do an entire episode about um, 2016, the last year there was just like goofy money in East Coast media. <laughs> yeah. I like, I, I feel like it's like a little too inside baseball for the audience, but it is i do have some legitimately hilarious stories as a freelancer at that time i am like i i I don't know i love media history so well
0: i I, yeah i went through that whole uh web money era like i worked at medium in like 2013 to 2015 and then first look at like 2016 to 2019 and that like all that like when first look laid us off i was like it's over. Like, I'm never getting another media job again. And I don't really want one, but I'm definitely not getting one anyway. <laughs> is, that,
3: is that where you got your show from, the Augenblick stuff?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: Dude, first look, first look was like it
1: was the, like, East Coast media quasi-news site equivalent of, like, when they try to make Meta-Ian. In in Entourage. <laughs> it was like 20 times over budget. They never knew what they were doing. It's just everyone was coming and leaving. It was such a weird project. Oh, man. God. I, I
0: I worked there. You know, I got I got stories, but I don't know if they uh,
1: violate the papers I've signed. <laughs> <laughs> See if they do, because like, I don't know. OK, Li- listeners, I'm like, dead, I'm dead serious about this. I really want to do a retrospective on the years 2015 through 2017 on East Coast Media because it is so interesting to me. And I don't know. I mean, I, I've told people about, like, what genius was paying me to spend 10 minutes to annotate a John Shade article. <laughs> to, to, to just, I, they, they had this thing called News Genius where I would just go into a John Shade article and write, like, you're bald. <laughs> <laughs> they made, like, thousands of dollars. I,
4: I like. I've got a. Uh, I've got some good stories from the pivot to video era too. Like when I showed up for my job at Mike dot com one day, and every member of the staff had matching custom made uh, Air Jordans on their desks, black Air dude. Jordans. <laughs> that's,
2: that's like what Corey Stahl's character does for his firm on Billions. I know. Okay.
4: Okay.
1: Please sound off in the comments if you want. Like me, Chris, like Matt. I think there are some other people. Who are around at this time? Who can talk about what an insane time this was? If you care about media bullshit enough for me to do this episode, I will do it because I I I do love talking about it. It is like really, and yeah, I didn't sign any NDAs. Okay, well, I can
0: I can I can talk about it enough. There wasn't this. It's fine. I'll. I don't know if anyone even cares.
1: I will say I have nothing but good things to say about vinit Bahara, the owner of cafe. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. He, um, I worked for a lot of goofy people at the time, but Venet was like, uh, Vineet was the only guy where it was like, Hey, we're going to write a fucking fake pundit. Who's a foot fetishist and sexually harasses r- like Dana bash on Twitter. And he was like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs>
4: All right, we should wrap this up, because i got to get this edited now in time for a, uh, a belated Valentine's dinner. Yeah,
1: sound off in the comments if you want to hear the media episode. You, you're not having
0: a fluid transfer, are you, Chris? <laughs> oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> Depends how nice the steak is tonight.
2: All right, that does it for Demolition Man. Once again, thanks to Matt Bores and Ben Clarkson. Justice Warriors, Volume 1, in stores next week. Cheers, yeah, guys. Nice. Bye, thanks, guys. Like guys. bye Be well.
0: I'm a